Hello and welcome everybody to episode 62 of Near Perfect Pitch. Snowing outside, Christmas is all but upon us. And if you're listening in the UK in a timely manner, i.e. within a few days of when I've recorded this and uploaded it, you'll be experiencing um, one heck of a winter thus far. It hasn't really even kicked in yet, it hasn't even got to Christmas yet, and you've been inundated with tons of snow. If Manchester and the northwest of England are anything to go by, and the snaps I received from London this morning from family out there, looks like you are healthily and heartily covered, which is ironic, really, because in Ottawa here, we've got next to nout. And by nout, I mean just a little, little blanket that uh, has all but melted. Anyway, that's enough about the weather. Let's talk about music, shall we? As I said at the top of the programme, it's episode 62 of uh, the humble little programme that I call Near Perfect Pitch. www.nearperfectpitch.com. Say goodbye to Teenage Fan Club now. Bye-bye. See ya. And um, I play a load of tunes on a weekly basis, and I hope that uh, you are a regular listener. If you stumbled upon me uh, by happenstance uh, this particular episode, I do hope that you go back in time to the other 61 episodes where there are just tons and tons of wonderful, wonderful songs to get your ears around, and uh, all I do is present them. And as I always say, um, if there's a, a chance of every one of you recommending the programme to just one other person, it does uh, just wonders to the listenership. This week, I'll tell you what you can look forward to. Um, I can tell you first and foremost that this programme is uh, unequivocally brought to you by Joe Bartlett, Kodiak Island, and the German jam um, icing glazed cherry biscuit from her childhood. And we'll get to that later in the programme, and that uh, means to the, the the contingent of you that are sussed that uh, that's the interview this week. We're going to be talking to Joe Bartlett uh, with her latest works, uh, Kodiak Island. But uh, to say she is an, a very, very interesting person and a very instrumental individual in uh, the realms of British indie alt-pop is an understatement. And you will uh, fast appreciate what I'm talking about. New releases. We've got loads this week. This is, this is, well, it's always the case, isn't it, really? Phaser Dance, Hoops, brand new single by Shame. I'll be playing for you. What else we've got here? Got brand new stuff by Viva Brother. Um, a reissue, which is a new release, kind of, by Ocean Size. Weaves have got some new material out, as have, uh, well, Kodiak Island, who are going to be at the end of the programme for the interview. You can hear all new works by them. Uh, there's the usual features. There's our obligatory full oh, track. There's our essential wax feature this week, which I'll, I'll get to get to uh, later on. We've got about two or three braces to get through, uh, and that might, uh, depending on how I feel, that might substitute the, the usual hat trick. We've got uh, all the other features. We've got our regular uh, Cover Me and our uh, essential peel track of the week, our weekly peel. Wow. So without uh, any further ado, let's hear Profession by Cud. Sensation 
Lutz Doppelganger by the programme. And the programme are uh, a band consisting of Chris Cooper and Graham Naismith, ex-Pale Saints members, and uh, Doppelganger is a single uh, taken from uh, 2015's The Path of Least Resistance. And uh, prior to hearing that, another Leeds band, because Pale Saints were from Leeds, we had Cud, Cudder on the show uh, about uh, three or four months ago, and that is uh, a B-side off their third single from 1991, the B-side to Oh No, Won't Do on A&M Records, that's uh, Profession. So he started things off this week with a brace from Leeds. We're now going to go to Murica, listen to something that uh, is beyond beautiful.
from 1994. Rubber Rodeo with Before I Go Away. They're from Rhode Island. And uh, that is my favourite truck. A truck? Is it? It's my favourite truck. Uh, am I from New Zealand? My favourite truck? No, my favourite track. And um, my favourite track of theirs from their LP, their debut LP, Scenic Views, released in 1984. Beautiful stuff. It's sort of borderline uh, roots, country rock, if you like. Uh, lots, of, uh, lots of slide guitar, if you like, that sort of thing. And before that, of course, uh, Mazzy Starr, who really have uh, made a career out of this uh, this kind of, uh, kind of sound. Uh, and they are the best at it. Uh, take everything. Mazzy Star from the third album from 1996, Among My Swan, and uh, William Reed, Jews uh, and Mary Chain, who was at the time, I believe, uh, going out with uh, One Hope Sandoval. And uh, he's playing Axe on that particular track. And I did fail to mention uh, for uh, the programme, the second song that I played, Doppelganger. If you want to know more about the programme and get their material, go to the programme, that's uh, with one M and no E. So the programme one, the number one, Dot .bandcamp.com. That's where you can get all of their nifty, nifty stuff. So uh, we're about, uh, how many songs in? One, two, three, four. Four songs in. Next, we're going to hear something by Billy McKenzie and Alan uh, Rankin. Uh, the Associates, for want of a better expression, for their band, White Car in Germany. And then after that, we're going to hear a request for James. We're going to hear some Elbow. <laughs>
in your bathtub Useless I'll be as deaf as a post If you hold me like
magnificent stuff. That is Elbow. That's the full-length version of the quite beautiful Newborn. And that's for James in Seattle. Uh, that's their second single, incidentally, from uh, 2000 on Ugly Man Records. And that was preceded by the lead track two and a single from the Associates' third LP, Sulk, which was released all uh, the way back in 1982. And as a refresher, we had some Rubber Rodeo, Mazzy Star, The Programme, and Cud to kick off uh, proceedings this week on episode 62. Don't forget, uh, www.nearperfectpitch.com is where you can send people. Quite happy that I've been added to the iHeart Radio franchise, so if that is your preferred portal for listening, then uh, you can get uh, get the show there as well. So uh, do spread the word and uh, frequently visit for for shits and giggles, if you like, the uh, the Instagram feed at uh, Near Perfect Pitch, the Twitter fe- feeds rather at uh, Near Perfect Pitch, and the Facebook page under the guise of Near Perfect Pitch. Next, it's time for our uh, weekly cover version. This week we're actually going to have two, um, but this is the first of the two. It's uh, the lovely lot of uh, British Sea Power doing a little bit of Pixies.
Gold with their sixth single off their second LP, Welcome to Winners. And that was preceded by a, uh, a cover version of the Pixies, or Pixies, uh, Caribou. And that's from the tribute released in uh, 2007 entitled Dig for Fire. And that was British Sea Power with an uh, entirely instrumental cover version of Caribou. And uh, it's wistful. It uh, it whisked me away. And uh, it was suitably mellow. But uh, I've got to mix it up a little bit now with a bit of raunchiness because I've played quite a few mellow uh, uh, low-key tracks thus far. So let's uh, let's add a little bit of defibrillation to the mix, shall we? And hear the latest single by Shame. This one is called One Rizzler. <laughs>
Love and Money. That's the lead track and debut single off their debut album from 1986. All you need is Love and Money, the name of the album, and that single entitled The Money Train. And before that, Brandy Stuff by Shame. You want to know what's going on in the wonderful world of Shame? Go to shamebanduk.bandcamp.com and you'll get your uh, get your fill. And you can order, uh, pre-order the uh, the new record, which is uh, the new full length, which is out uh, next year, called Songs of Praise. If you uh, stump up and buy the digital or the uh, CD copy, you'll get uh, promptly two tracks into your inbox and uh, you'll be able to sample said album. So that was shame. Ten songs in. It's time for another brace now. And in case you don't know what a brace is, um, in football uh, parlance, it's uh, it's two. 
couple of goals. So in lieu of a hat-trick, which I still might uh, resurrect at the end of the programme, here's another brace. This one is a very much a uh, togetherness brace, and you'll get it come the end.
Well, that's the gargantuan Primal Scream from Screamer Delicate, as if you didn't know, from 1991 on Creation Records, and that is Come Together, preceded by, in this uh, togetherness brace, another track entitled Come Together, this time by Echo Smith, taken from their debut 2013 LP, Talking Dreams, 12 songs into the programme. Don't forget that uh, towards the end of the programme, we're always are housed the interviews. I'm uh, going to be talking to Joe Bartlett uh, about her new project and about uh, days gone by uh, and lots of indie pop sensibilities and all kinds of chit chat and uh, banter pertaining to the Bristol scene and now her being back in London and all these wonderful things that are going on in her life and of course all the new records that uh, I will give you a sampling of towards the end of the show. Now coming up next we're going to hear something new by Hoops of this year's Routines LP. Here's a track called On Top.
1996, Stockport's Northern Uproar on Heavenly Records. Uh, that's their third single, entitled Living It Up, and that was preceded by Hoops of this year's Routines LP. And you can go to hoops.bandcamp.com to learn more of them. New stuff by them. And uh, I'll give you a reminder as to what you can expect to uh, to listen to in the next uh, hour and a half or so, because we're about halfway through the programme. So as it stands right now, these are songs that I would like to get to, although I will not commit wholeheartedly because it could uh, it could change in a flash. But what I have lined up next is um, some top uh, Kiwi shoegazing uh, by Phaser Dance. So that is almost written in stone. Hoping to get to some uh, new stuff by iMonster from Sheffield. Uh, there's some new material. Actually, it's not new material. I'm just going to uh, play something else by Amber Arcades. We will get to some new uh, Viva Brother, I do hope. There's also our obligatory full R track to get to, and I do hope to get to some regular tracks by Idols, Weebs, Holy Fuck, Paris Youth Foundation, and amongst them, a couple of other new releases that I might be able to squeak in. I'm hoping to also address another brace, another sort of two songs that are uh, related in some way, shape or form. And we've got our weekly Peel track, which is still forthcoming and that is going to be by Cinerama, David Gedge's uh, second band, if you like. So why don't we start with what I said I was going to deliver. Here's some shoegaze wonderness from uh, New Zealand, from Phaser Dance specifically and this is from their Morningside LP released earlier this year. This is called Lucky Girl.
Obligatory fault. Ah, oh, track. Contraflow. 
off the Real New Fall LP, formerly Country on the Click, their 23rd LP, released, when was it released? 2003, I believe that record was released. So there's our uh, weekly obligation fulfilled when it comes to uh, the fall. And uh, prior to hearing that belter by the fall, we heard off the Morningside LP from... New Zealand, we had shoegazers, phaser dance with Lucky Girl and phaserdance.bandcamp.com is where you can keep up to date with all of their releases. Let's go to Toronto now, shall we, and hear a little bit of Holy Fuck.
That's Toshak Highway with an album track of uh, the debut self-titled affair from 2000 on the, the Flower Shop Recordings record label. Toshak Highway is essentially Adam Franklin of Swerve Driver and uh, he released a series of, uh, of records uh, while Swerve Driver were having a massively long sabbatical. I'm not sure even if they planned on getting back together again, but they did. Uh, perhaps he wasn't to know that uh, during the time he was recording under the guise of Toshak Highway. Anyway, um, it's a great little record, and uh, you can source their stuff at toshakhighway.com. And uh, before we heard Wurlitzer well, Walzer, we heard from the Latin album from 2010, Torontonians, Holy Fuck, with uh, Silver and Grimes. We are 18 songs into programme. It's about time we heard something more by the lovely Amber Arcades.
Should be thanking me. That's Evan Johansson, and uh, he also records under the name of Magnet. He's from Norway, and that's off his second LP from 2003, entitled "On Your Side," a track called "Nothing Hurts Now," and uh, that's self-produced, by the way. A very, very talented uh, gentleman indeed. And before we heard the wonderful Norwegian Evan Johansson, we heard. Uh, a lady from Holland. We heard Amber Arcade, a.k.a. Annelot de Graaf, with a track of her Cannonball EP, which was released uh, quite some months ago, earlier this year, and a track entitled It Changes. Let's get poppy now, shall we? Let's go back to 82 and get all collegiate-esque and American bubblegummy. Uh, and uh, when there was an, an era where the crossover didn't uh, come complete with the stigma, 
in terms of being uncool and mainstream. I think you know what I'm talking about. Missing persons. <laughs>
That's why you're here, I guess us old friends have our uses session track is Comedienne by Cinerama from July 1998 and that was preceded by from 1982's Spring Session M release on Capitol Records that was Missing Persons with uh, a cracker uh, a crossover hit if you like uh, Walking in LA we are 20 songs in nearly nearly in the final third, the final stretch where you can look forward to an interview with Joe Bartlett coming up in about half an hour or so We're going to play two in a row now that uh, will constitute yet another brace. In this instance, it's a blonde one. I'm 
Pale Saints with uh, Sight of You. And I'm going to get into uh, a lot of detail about uh, that particular track and the album that it's pulled from, in that it is going to be our Essential Wax LP of the Week feature. But before I do, I must tell you what you heard before the Pale Saints track. It was the lead track of 2010's Penny Sparkle LP by Blonde Redhead and a track entitled Here Sometimes, Part of a Brace, preceded by the uh, Thievery Corporation track Lebanese Blonde from the uh, the EP of the same name from 1998. So there's a blonde brace for years. Now, let's go back to uh, where we were originally, and that was with Pale Saints. And uh, it's kind of a, a Pale Saints uh, tinge to the programme in that we led off the show, second song with something by The Programme, which is a band uh, constituted of Chris Cooper and Graham Naismith, ex of Pale Saints. Pale Saints really are the brainchild of Ian Masters. And uh, I was chatting with him a few weeks ago online and uh, he is uh, working on some reissues so I think he's got his hands on all the old master tapes and uh, some bonus stuff to boot so he's hoping that he can trawl the depths of 4AD records and uh, release to us some stuff that has been very very hard to find or uh, to this point unavailable. Let's hope that uh, they do a very good job. I'm sure he will. Anyway, so we heard uh, from the debut record. Uh, incidentally, when, when uh, they released their first record, which wasn't the LP, it was, uh, it was the EP, uh, Barging Into the Presence of God, I bought that on the same day as Lush's Scar came out on 4AD, and it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time for 4AD Records at 1990. They just had an absolute glut of releases, and uh, they were one after another, and they were all stellar. And I think my, my collection swelled, said the actress to the bishop. Uh, during that time, I was buying an awful lot of 4AD products, uh, in addition to the obvious stuff like the cocktails, etc., etc. So... The album itself was re- was released in 1990 on 4AD, their first of three records produced by Gil Norton and John Fryer. Eleven tracks in all, all written by the band, save for a cover version that they do of uh, an Opal tune, which uh, I'll talk more about later. But uh, get your hands on the record, and if the track I've already played you isn't enough to entice you to, uh, to get your hands on the LP or any Pale Saints material, how about this one? Oh, mm-hmm. 
Ocean Size. I am the morning from 2003's Efflores, uh, newly re-released as a remastered deluxe version. That's about uh, pushing three weeks old, so it's still very, very new. Before that, we heard uh, Time Thief by Pale Saints, the second feature track of our Essential Wax LP of the week. This week being the Comforts of Madness on 4AD Records from 1990. And uh, a couple of in, uh, sort of tidbits of information really concerning this record. I did mention that uh, all songs were written by Pell Saints, save for Fell from the Sun, as penned by Opal. And Opal, one third of Opal at the time, used to be Dave Roback. And Dave Roback is half of Mazzy Star. And we heard Mazzy Star at the beginning of the programme, did we not? And also another... another Interesting little uh, tidbit of information concerning Pale Saints is that in uh, in 1990, uh, towards the end of the year, the original singer of Lush, uh, Meriel Barham, joined the band. And we all know what happened with Lush, don't we? Mickey and uh, Emma sung their hearts out for that band and uh, Mariel loaned and uh, became a part of a band with her vocals, uh, a kind of a fixture for the uh, subsequent two Pale Saints records. Whew. So Ocean Size, we've just heard. We've just heard two in a row by Pale Saints as a component of uh, one of our many special features, this one being Essential Wax. Now we've got time for one more song before we get into the lovely, lovely and beautiful world of Kodiak Island. One more time. 
song don't you but uh, they covered it and they did a bang-up job they did a very raw uh, almost one take rendition of they don't know it appears on this year's orange ep which you can get your hands on at kodiak island one the number one dot bandcamp.com i'll get back to uh, a lot more about kodiak island just about uh, 15 seconds or so but i uh, should also remind you that uh, before we heard that wonderful cover and that track by kodiak island we heard Populate itself, uh, PWEI, their fifth single from 1988, and that was Death Con One. And before that, we heard Ocean Size with I Am the Morning, and Two Crackers by Pale Saints as components of our Essential Wax LP of the Week. This week being Pale Saints, The Comforts of Madness from 1990. Now, let's talk about Joe Bartlett, who you're going to learn a lot more about in the next uh, couple of minutes or so. Now, Joe. Um, 
very humble uh, individual, so I'm going to brag on her behalf. She founded the Green Man Festival in the UK and uh, handily ran the Buzz Club uh, in uh, in Bristol for, for many, many years. She was half of Joe and Danny uh, and played uh, guitar in Yellow Moon as well. And her latest works are under the guise of Kodiak Island. Her blog also is an absolutely essential read on a daily basis, indie through the looking glass.com is uh, anecdotes, whether it's uh, a scanned concert ticket or a fly poster, it brings back and rolls back the years for anyone who was a part of that scene here, there or anywhere. The music was uh, a part of the cultural fibre and uh, it uh, it, uh, really affected thousands and thousands of us in a way that uh, left an indelible mark and she is doing a wonderful job of keeping it going. Um, We're going to hear something off this year's brand new LP, The Golden Section. We're going to hear something called Real Thing.
Isn't that marvellous? That is Kodiak Island off This Is the Golden Section LP and uh, an LP track entitled Real Thing. Lovely. Now it's time to go over to Pseudo Me and to uh, listen to me chatting with Joe Bartlett. And I hope that, uh, as I did, I just left the interview buzzing because uh, her enthusiasm, her energy, is uh, it's just infectious. It's viral. Anyway, here's Joe. Back soon. Hello, is this Joe? It's so Wow, you're clear as a bell, Joe. Are you on your mobile? Obviously, you, you, you're. It's a, it's a great connection. I'm I'm, I'm a bit stunned because I'm not okay. used to this. How are things? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? Lovely, lovely. I'm, I'm delighted to be talking with you. And uh, it's a lot later in the day where you are as compared to myself. So, am I? Uh, are you post dinner time or pre dinner time? Pre-dinner time. Pre-dinner time, okay, so you'll have to squeak this in before you have your din-dins. Um, exactly. Well, I'm delighted, as I say, to be talking to you, and you're a very multifaceted person who I've uh, known about for quite some time, but never never crossed paths with you, nor have I spoken with you, but uh, been a fan of your music for a long time, and by the... Oh, well, thank you. Oh, well, yeah, you, be, you, you just do stellar work, and you're just, just feverishly beavering away for years and years, and just trying to, to share the love, and, and it's much appreciated, and... Wally, Wally, uh, uh, a chap over here who I know who's a big champion of your work, uh, he, 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 he sort of kind of turned me on to the new, the new material by Kodiak Island. And, and I'm, I'm, oh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, because to, to, to be truthful, I would have been uh, uh, unaware or would have hopefully stumbled upon it over the course of time. But uh, I'm just loving the record. I love the EP and I love the full length. We can talk about them in, in a lot more detail in, in the next few minutes. But just wanted to... Um, touch upon your very colourful past um, and uh, share that uh, sort of foundation with the listenership. Um, we could probably sure. start with, if you don't mind, we could start start with the Buzz Club and uh, if you could just uh, give us the, the Buzz Club 101 uh, in terms of your involvement and, and the heady days and, and, and the wonderful and, and the wonderful talent that, that, that passed through those doors over the years. Yeah, well, it's, it's a funny thing looking back on it, how many of those, those bands became huge household names. Um, basically, I was in um, a band myself at that time called Go Service, and we were releasing records on Dan Tracy from the TV personality label, mm. and we were going up and playing at his club in North London uh, pretty frequently and supporting all these really cool bands. This is the days of the C86 stuff. Yeah. Um, and we just we just thought it would be a nice idea um, to get some of the bands to come down and play near where we live. We were about an hour's drive outside of London. So... Uh, I approached um, a local art centre and just said, can, can I put some gigs on here? And I would have been about 18 years old at the time, so it was sort of baptism of fire because I didn't quite know a lot of terminology for the bands I was booking. I remember one band asked me what was going to be on the rider and I had absolutely no idea what that even meant, so I sort of <laughs> gave some silly answer. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they, they would come down and it started off on those days with, with as I say, the C86 sort of bands like the June Brides. Um, the, the Wolf Hounds, um, that picture of ocean, all those kind of bands, and then we did it once a month. So it sort of we did it for so long. When I say we, I'm talking about myself and Danny. Yeah. And then we've been together for an awfully long time. At that time, he was my boyfriend. He's, he's now my husband, and we have kids together and all that kind of stuff. But in those days, we were we were happy teenagers, just getting bands to come by phoning up, getting their numbers. However, we could phone them up and ask them if they'd come down and play. We were both working in local record shops at the time as well, so we kind of would stock records by the bands that we were putting on and sort of an indie scene developed in our area, which is really cool. Well, um, and then, 
Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, because Bristol, Bristol is a scene, of course, that uh, it's, it's well noted, but there's never, in, in my humble opinion, in being an, an avid reader in, in the heady days of, you know, the maker and sounds and the enemy and anything else you could get your hands on. Um, there, there were a few journalists who, who, who got, who understood it and, and who understood the nuances of the likes of Sarah, but it never gained the prominence that, that it should have done. And, and I think I can quantify that by saying, had you, uh, had you been doing this in Camden, it would be a completely different thing altogether, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I think part of its charm in those days was the fact that we were getting bands out of London yeah. to the home counties. Um, so then after, after the days of just funny bands up at home, it started evolving to using agents and, and getting agents. And eventually we got bands like the Stone Roses, the Manic Street Preachers, Elastica, Primal Scream, Suede, the Charlatans, the Happy Mondays. Um, a lot of those bands were, I mean, I remember the Happy Mondays, I think we got about... I think it was about 20 people to come and see them. But the Stone Roses, when they played it, it was the same week that the NME had really caught on to them. So they were at Singles Week in the NME. They had their first TV appearance over here. Yeah. And it was sold out. And it was, it was amazing. So some, some of them would kind of sell out. Our capacity was 500. And then some of them would comically do pretty badly and then would later go on to be massive. Oh, you're blur. And I thought, mate. Yeah, yeah. It must have been an amazing time because... Obviously, um, subjectively for you, there was that wonderful naivety and you were flying by the seat of your pants and just getting it done. Yeah. In retrospect, you must look back and go, forgive the vernacular, but holy shit, how did I pull that off? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I mean, as I said, because we were like, working in local record shops, it was a, a chain of record shops called Our Price. Yeah. And so we, I... we would make all the flyers ourselves using retrospect. <laughs> put, put four, four flyers to a sheet of A4... Yeah. Um, cutting up, cutting images out from magazines and using Metrofet, running across the road to the local photocopy shop and getting more photocopies, coming home and then packaging them all up and posting them to about eight different record shops where we knew the managers and say, can you put these on the counter, please, if you do, you can come on the guest list. And then we'd go around with a bucket of wallpaper paste and a, and a brush, <laughs> a kitchen brush from my mum's kitchen, and we'd pop, pop, pop posters up around the area we one of us one of us keeping an eye out in case the police were coming around the corner while the other one quickly shrapped up the poster and uh, got back in the mini and drove off that's brilliant a couple of times we were a couple of times we were stopped and we had to go around and peel all the posters off while the police were accompanying us which was really annoying because they cost about a pound each yeah well, it reminds me of that it reminds me of that scene from life of brian when the uh, when the romans correct, correct his spelling on the wall I don't know if you remember that yes, scene. It's not, not a million... Enough, we, did, we, we knew the correct thing was, when we put the Chesterfield, we didn't have any S on the poster, at least, but they all said the Chesterfield. So we had to sit with a big marker pen and write an S <laughs> on 100 posters before we could put them up. <laughs> Well, I, I used to I used to work at R Price in, in Wembley back in those days. And, oh, did you? And yeah, oh, wow. yeah, and um, I used to do my, my fair share of fly postering as well for a few extra quid. And um, oh, e everything that you're saying just resonates wonderfully with 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 my little <laughs> with my little life. And um, I, I look back at, uh, at what you must have experienced. Obviously, it, it's through osmosis because I can't experience what you've experienced. But it must have been an, an absolutely heartwarming experience to to be instrumental. In, in in getting prominence for these for these outfits, and it, as you look back, it must, as I say, be, be quite bone shaking sometimes. That hang on, you know, these bands passed through our doors, and, and it must have been crazy when 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 the enemy hit the cover. Sorry, the Stone Roses hit the enemy cover, just just in in sync with their appearance. It must have. Uh, well, must... Then, that was that was really exciting because we were massive Stone Roses fans. We'd, yeah. all, we'd already seen them about. 
Yeah, well, I must have been at a few a few similar gigs to you over the years. Not not recently, because I've been living in the Great White North. But uh, in in the eighties and early nineties, I'm sure that we were at uh, many many of the same gigs. It was a it was a wonderful time, of course. And uh, we can talk uh, we can talk about the music industry and bemoan change later if you want. But um, I think the Buzz Club it really does have a uh, an indelible uh, place in, in in the musical landscape. Well, it's nice. I've been sort of collecting flyers, and you know, because at the time I was giving away all the flyers and putting all the posters up. So yeah. it was only years later I was I had some bits and bobs, the odd poster, the odd flyer, and what have you. And so basically, via social media, probably about seven years ago now, I just started putting out saying who used to go to the bus club, has anyone got any flyers or photos or anything? And so the collection kind of built up since then, and so I've been blogging about it because. They just look so pretty, some of those colourful flyers and posters. And there was a guy called Dave Driscoll who used to come to loads of to those five times with his handheld Sony Walkman and record them. So I've also got really, you know, great live recordings. And it's mad, the first time he, I met him about four years ago, and he burned them all off onto, onto um, CDRs for me. So I came home and played them, and it was incredible. It was like, we've got so used now to phones and filming and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but... I saw more in my mind's eye of what those days, those days were like because I just heard the crackle of the atmosphere and I could almost smell the cigarette smoke because it was obviously still legal to smoking clubs at that time and the atmosphere that just came off those live recordings was, was incredible. So uh, I've got quite a few of those on the blog as well, which is nice. Well, let's talk about, I want to talk about the blog. That's a good segue because I, I've been trawling through the blog uh, over the last few days and it's a, it's a beautiful compendium, and, and it's it's almost uh, it's almost like hopping in a time machine, and and and, uh, and it's funny because some of some of the aesthetic, I mean, some of it was very crude and DIY, but the sentiment was always uh, was always the same, and and some of them I actually do remember, and some of them uh, really do resonate, and it must be lovely sort of going through and, and having people send you stuff that you'd forgotten about over the years. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Really nice. It's, it's getting uh, further and further apart and fewer and far between now because I've probably got the most of the collection that's out there. But uh, every now and again, someone just emails some flyers or one of those Dan Tracy hand-written C86 flyers. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's always really, really exciting when that happens. Well, it, it's almost like the um, the Smithsonian of... of, of, of British indie music. This this is all all gaining. Well, this should all gain prominence if there was an equivalent. This is all very very uh, important uh, parts of the past that you've managed to put together because there aren't many people. Yeah, thank you. I think I think so too. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And, and are you familiar with a website, uh, Joe, called the Forty Five Cat? No, I don't think I am, but I should check it out. You should because it's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a cooperative, if you like, of of. Uh, of folk donating scans of their sevens and twelves and uh, flyers, oh, nice. and flyers and gig tickets as well, and it's amazing what oh, you that can. Oh, sounds good. The forty-five yeah. cat. Yeah, forty-five cat dot com. Yeah, and then uh, there's there's various uh, various sections. Yeah, I think you'll have a field day on there. I'll, I'll probably, I'll yeah, probably, I'll probably spent eight 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 ten hours of the of the next week for you. Um, so let's let's really? talk about let's talk about the records now because the, let's talk about the EP first of all the the, the RNGP. Now, um, 
Let's talk about the production of the record and how it came to fruition. So the four tracks concerned, when were they actually written? Um, over the last um, over the last year, kind of. I mean, obviously there's the cover version on there, but um, yeah. Uh, the instrumentals have a slightly different history. I had I, I did that as a guitar track in the studio a while ago with the strings. It was just guitar and strings, and I haven't ever done anything with it. So um, I said to the guys in the band, why don't we all record parts on it? I think it'll, it'll, it'll really work. So that will have a slightly different history. But the others were recorded. It's, it's wonderful, Kodiak Island. I absolutely adore this band because apart from the fact that I'm totally delighted with the music we make, it's all just really self-sufficient and, and easy. After years and years and years of hiring rehearsal studios and go, going deaf with loud drummers, it's nice to, we all come around my front room in the house because we don't have a drummer, we've got like a home play, you know, those boxes that you sit on. That's it, yeah. People bust and stuff. So, so Gareth on the good home, he's also now pro programming beats, which we just put through the iPad to a small lab. Um, and then everything else uh, kind of just fits in this room. So we rehearse in my house. Richard, the guitarist, has converted his garage and his house to be a studio, so most of the recording gets done at his place, and he's an absolute genius engineer. Right. Um, and then I, just a mate, on the, on the orange piece for the first time, I've actually started recording my vocals at home on my Logic, on my laptop. Ah! I can kind of just, yeah, I really, really, really like it. I can just totally, totally get the atmosphere how I want it. Just, I must confess, have a small bottle of whiskey at my side and just chill out and just relax and just have a great time doing vocals and doing backing vocals and all that kind of stuff. And then I send, I send it back over to Richard and he mixes it all and makes it sound lovely. So um, we've got a really nice way of working at the minute, which I'm, I'm delighted about. Yeah, I'm happy for you because that, that, can, be, that can be a stumbling block. And in, in that Richard is is that man and is in the band, then uh, the empathy yeah, and understanding is, it's, it's a given. So it's very, very hard to, uh, I mean, have this conversation with countless uh, artists over the years, but to, to align yourself and entrust your art to somebody who's one, one, uh, one rung above the ladder, i.e. they're not part of your inner circle, you've got to be able to have that unmitigated understanding, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we work on the songs, obviously, here first, and then we start play live when we can, but um, it's just really, really nice being self-sufficient. We did we did a gig, a local gig to where I'm in Cambly in Surrey the other day at a place called The Cabin, yeah. and we, we didn't hire in any PA equipment. We thought we'd just say, we'd see how it sounds just for the equipment we use when we rehearse in the front room because it wasn't a very big venue. And I'd like to say it sounded great, and that, that really put me in a good mood because it just means now we can just pull our gear, drive to a you know, little pub, little places, and just play with absolutely no pressure and no sound check times and hanging around and all that kind of stuff. No, it's wonderful. It's, a bit dull. It's, it's really nice so we can just play for the love of the music and it's infectious. It's, it, it, it really works when that happens when we don't have any stresses or strains kind of thing. It's, it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's also it's also a self sufficiency. There's no there's no incumbent reliance upon anybody else. It's just you. Exactly. You have this. Yeah, it must be a lovely lovely feeling. Just say you know, have really have nice. have guitar will travel type thing. Exactly, exactly. Excellent. So, so in terms of the order of releases, because um, both, both of course, are available through the, uh, the Bandcamp page, which, of course, I'll share with the listenership. Uh, but uh, what was the sequence? So did, you, did you contrive to release uh, the, them in the order that they were? How, how did you decide to segregate four tracks for the EP and nine for the full length? Well, we the full length, that came out. We've had an addition to the lineup since then. We've had um, Matthew in our playing uh, keyboards with us. 
Uh, so the album is one that's just a four-piece, and that was all recorded at Richard's house like, before I learned how to, to do the logic at my place as well. Right. Um, and it, I think it's got a lovely, a lovely atmosphere and a lovely tone to it, which is very smooth on there as well. Um, so we finished, that probably took about a year of going back and forth to his house and what have you to record. We did some download singles from it while the journey of completing the album was, was taking place, the sooner and Spanish Steps of singles, and running those two singles. Um, and then when it was ready, we just pressed up some, uh, we sold out the first pressing of physical CDs, we're talking about getting some more done, and then as you say, it's on, it's on Bandcamp and it's on, on iTunes and all those other ones as well. So once we had done that and once Matthew joined the band, we set about just getting some new songs done, and when we had four, I just looked quite nice to do the Orange EP, and uh, it, takes, it took us quite a while to get these new four ones done, actually, to me as long as I think, to the other album, but then we pick up our, our pace a little bit now, we're already working on brand new stuff. So uh, the idea is to maybe do another EP, but we'll see how it goes. It might be that we, I don't know, we'll see what, what happens. But but regardless, there's something new forthcoming because you... you yeah, we, we finished the first track of some new recordings. It's, it's awesome. I'm really, really happy with it. It's quite different. Great. We found an old synth up in his attic. It's all very stranger things. It's, uh, it, it, <laughs> it's uh, really, really Love nice. it. Love the it's analogy. The old 80s synth. Yeah. yeah no, the Stranger Things. I was actually I was going to bring that up because I thought you'd be right for a little uh, little Stranger Things analogy, but you beat me to it. So yeah, it's got that kind of sentiment about it for sure. Um, now, yeah, and also the choice of the cover, uh, because let's be honest, this has been covered uh, to death, and yeah. uh, you did run the risk of of uh, making making a pig's ear of it, which of course you didn't. But how did you how, how did you decide how did you decide to, to, to tackle this? Because as I say, it's been done. Uh, so what impelled you to uh, to give about, it a go? About a year ago, somebody unfriended on Facebook just posted the first call version, which obviously I was familiar with, but yeah. I've never actually I don't know listened to it properly, and, and I sort of listened to it a couple of times in a row, and I was just blown away by it. And yeah. the way I tend to work out a cover version is I don't I don't look up the chords, I just sort of just start playing it and it comes out with my version of it, if that makes sense. It does, I it does. I think it's correct. I imagine if you played this version along with any of the cover versions, it would be very wrong. But um, I just, that's how I enjoy singing other people's songs, really, is doing my, my take on them. So I, I worked on it, so it got to the point whereby I could sing it and play it to the guys. And so then that, that version there as well, we basically just got, we recorded it, I think we recorded the rehearsal, but because we a drum machine, obviously, in effect, that's like a quick track, so yeah. it's all in time. So we just literally recorded it onto, I don't know, a phone or something like that from a rehearsal. And then we put that version into bass player Mike's um, digital four track, and I just popped another vocal on top of it, and I don't even know if there was anything else added. Four so track? It's just a rehearsal with a, yeah. with a vocal on top. No, yeah. it's 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 raw, but it it works. It's, it's got a nice atmosphere, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. It looks like it's uh, it's got a lot of, a bit of love behind it, as opposed to just being a cover version, which is which is lovely. Yeah, thank you. That's, oh. that's a good idea. We're talking about maybe if we do carry on doing EPs, maybe a cover version per EP or something like that. That's what I was going to ask you because you seem the kind of outfit that would have just an inexhaustible supply of possibilities when it comes to cover versions. And, of course, that, that, the, the Kirsty version, which impelled you to give, give, uh, give it a crack, uh, was great. So maybe that's the catalyst for more. Could I be so bold as to say, look, if, if, uh, if you were going to stick your neck on the block and say the next three covers would be X, Y, or Z, do you have any, any idea what you'd like to tackle? Well, funny enough, I was thinking, again, it's just down to... I'm really, I'm not the sort of person who sits down and learns other people's songs I should do, I'm sure I should do, but 
over the years, I've only been able to see that. Just other ones that I'd love to have popped into my head. It's a diversion of Wuthering Heights, because I, I, oh. so I did a version on the acoustic guitar of that. Yeah. And then um, a couple of others. But one I was seeing last night, by the way, um, I only done the band yet, but I feel like a really good version. I thought you know, you know Groovy Times by The Clash. I do, yes. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was doing a version of that, just me singing it quite happily. I think that's probably one of the first songs I ever heard by The Clash. I bought the first album on a, on a Canadian import, actually. It came with a 7-inch. It was... Groovy Times and Gates of the West. Wow, that's 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 worth a few bob now. That. Oh, is it? I've still got it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to crack it on Discogs. But I remember just I couldn't believe how poppy they were. I thought, you know, because I thought they were going to be punk. Yeah. And what I had heard was kind of punk, and then I remember putting on Groovy Times. It was always like a acoustic pop track, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> well, it's always been a, a song that's dear to my heart. Well, it's also there's a lot to be said for the female vocal to replace the male vocal. That that the. the, the Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's wonderful. So we've got a little bit of an insight in, into possible future cover versions, and you, you you do seem just a very very happy person and very happy with your lot in life. I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not much to complain about. I'm, but yeah, I've been lucky. Well, I must say it's it's infectious because I was in a in a pretty miserable mood till I started to talk to you. I, I must say you pulled yeah. you pulled me out of a bit of a rut. And it's always good to speak to people who are just honest to goodness. I mean, your name. I mean, I've no. You know, it's funny you should say that. And I say I found out one of the, the area managers back in those days. There was a shop that was considered miserable. They put me in it, cheering up. <laughs> for a week or so, and they moved me on, which is all well and good. But it's a bit like yeah, but I can't actually go to a happy shop actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, the incumbent is on you to provide happiness. I mean, there should have been some extra salary in that in terms of yeah, uh, Joe. Yeah, Joe, we're going to put you on a three-month placement to Epping just to cheer the buggers up, and then we're going to move you on. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So I've got a, I've got a, a couple of last questions for you actually, and one one of them is completely non-music related, but uh, I'll leave that till the end. But could, could we just touch upon the Green Man Festival? Yeah. Because. What would you like to know? Well, obviously, the, the brainchild and, and what happened was it was it a, was it a, a light bulb moment? How did it actually? Get off no, the ground. Desperation, to be honest with you. We've we've got a record deal as it's turned down. We've signed to RCA, uh, so we've got a major record deal after many many years. Yeah. And at that same time, we also left London and moved to the mountains of Wales. Um, and uh, about six months into the record deal, we got dropped, as a lot of bands as happened to a lot of bands. So, but suddenly we were like. We thought in our dreams that the, the farm we were living in in the mountains was going to be our kind of country retreat where we would turn up every now and again post-world tour and a worldwide adulation. But of course, we just got dropped and it meant we were just living there without jobs or anything. And we just had our first child, our son had just been born. So it was really a question of, oh my God, what are we going to do with ourselves? So because we had that bunch of experience, um, we knew you know, how to book bands and we've always been quite switched on as to what bands should be getting booked, if you know what I mean. So we were also conscious that the whole folk and folktronica uh, scene was really happening and we were, it's Joe and Danny had been considered a part of that. So um, we, we knocked on the door of the stately home, luckily being Wales, there were castles and stately homes all over the place. So we kind of knocked on the door of one of them and through a, 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 a few events, it didn't end up being there, but it, we ended up having the first Green Man Festival and 
350 people came. We lost nine out of ten people, but luckily the, the Times came down and gave it a four-star review, so we, we were up and running. It's, it's, it's quite an amazing thing that you've done. Obviously, the, the, the geography is, is, a massive, is, a massive, uh, is a massive pull in terms of its uniqueness. But you've done a lovely, lovely job in terms of uh, cross-promoting, get, getting the endorsements by, 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 you know, by the country of Wales, by, by the quietus. You've got Mojo and the Beeb involved. It's turned into uh, something that is not expected, but is wholly appreciated. And um, next, next August, um, is it too early to talk about next August? Uh, we don't do it anymore. We sold it in 2011. So yeah. we can talk about next August if you like, but I won't have any answers for you, I'm afraid. No, not at all. I was going to ask that because I, 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 made, I made an assumption that you'd sort of uh, passed it on to, to others to, to, to manage. But are, are you in any way, shape, or form still involved? No, none whatsoever. It's a very long story and uh, one for off air. Right, okay. I, I understand implicitly. <laughs> there's, no, there's no need to delve into that. <laughs> Like Stuart Anderson moving to a far, uh, to, to a ranch and corralling cattle, and, and you moving to the sticks in, in Wales, and Alan McGee moving to the mountains in Wales. It must be something that's part of the musical process. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it was until you realise that nobody will deliver any food. It's too far to buy to go to a yeah, pizza spot at three. So uh, <laughs> yes. we moved back to the uh, southeast populous metropolis. Yeah, where where are you located right now? In in Sorry, back to this is where we both, we were both brought up. Right, so you so, near, near where the bus stops took place. Okay, wonderful stuff. So you back, you back home in familiar, in yeah. familiar surroundings. Well, I've got, to, I've got one last question for you. And it's a question over the years that I've asked everybody, and um, it's uh, sometimes it stumps people. I'd hasten to say that it stumps people more often than not. And it's a very simple question. It's, it's hypothetically you're, you're around my place after playing a gig, and uh, the, the band's here, and stick the kettle on, and there's respective teas and coffees being doled out, and I bring out the biscuit tin. But it's a magic biscuit tin, Joe. And, uh, I you, like it. You, well, yeah, the best kind. And you can choose yeah. any biscuit or derivative, past, present, or even possibly future. What would you go for? I go for one of the German biscuits my mum used to make when I was a kid, when we, lived, when we were all living in Surrey the first time around. Delicious, with jam in the middle, a little bit of icing on the top, and then a, a glacier cherry on the top of that. Oh, my goodness. Does, does it have a name? She called it a German biscuit. Oh. Okay, well, I've got this really quite uh, articulate and uh, aesthetically pleasing sort of infographic of, of all the, uh, all the interview, interviewees aligned with their biscuit. And I would hasten to say, I'm going to have to be Googling a lot or doing some Photoshopping to, to, to craft this, but I'll, I'll bob you along an email with a link once I've managed to find this elusive okay. biscuit. And in the meantime, it's been, it's been wonderful talking to you, and I'm hoping that... Uh, over the course of time, we could do a catch-up and see uh, maybe in a few months' time and see uh, see what's been happening in the, in the in the wonderful world that you live in. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you. That is smashing. So I'll be in touch with all the uh, the upload details imminently. And uh, thanks so much, and talk soon.
All the best, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Have you been bitten by the Joe Bartlett bug? Like me, I hope you have. Thanks so much, Joe, for your input and uh, and your time. And uh, I think that each and every one of us now are uh, very well versed in what it is that you've done and that you do. And uh, hopefully, some of you out there will be purchasing the Kodiak Island material. And again, some of the URLs that you need to be very cognizant of are indie through the looking glass.com, Kodiak Island one, the number one, dot bandcamp.com, facebook.com slash Joe Bartlett Music. And if you visit those three, you will be uh, perfectly abreast of all things that pertain to Joe and Kodiak Island. Time for one last track before I trundle off. Here's another track off this year's The Golden Section LP. Remember Days. a wrap for me. My thanks to Joe Bartlett and uh, to you lot for listening. Please do spread the word. www.nearperfectpitch.com has all of the places by which you can listen and uh, 
point people towards should they have a terrible memory. Also, nearperfectpitch.gmail.com if you want to have a chit-chat or uh, send me some tracks or uh, request something, which it does on occasion work. Thanks so much. Back next week uh, with a pre-Christmas one, episode 63. Ta-ra.